Welcome back, Internet Fitness family. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. I am Sean. I am your very distinguished host. And my guest this morning is Sherry Shaban. Sherry is a fitness and life coach. She's a YouTuber. She's a podcaster, all based out of Montreal. Her podcast is called Fall in Love with Fitness. She's an osteopath and the creator of the program, Make Peace with Food, helping women overcome their hesitations and demons and and conflicts with food. Sherry, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Super happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Sherry tells me she's going on a retreat here, the first ever, going to Costa Rica. Uh, So going from Montreal, Canada to Costa Rica is going to be a pretty cool thing. (laughs) Uh, Very different. Uh, climate there. Just a uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds really cool there. Um, what's the retreat going to be about? So this is my the first retreat I actually host solo. It's called Transformation in Paradise. And throughout okay. this week, we're going to be learning how to overcome self-sabotaging behavior. So we all have those vices. We all have those things that get in the way from our desires, from our big visions and our big goals. And we're going to learn about that part of us that keeps us from moving forward and creating all those things that we know we're able to do. Sweet. So how long is the retreat? It's a week. So it starts on, on Saturday and it's, it's over the week and we have a beautiful space in Costa Rica. We've got the whole resort to ourselves. We've got a private beach. It's going to be the most amazing farm to table food. And so a lot of nice. really fun things to look forward to, especially the sun because I'm in Montreal right yeah. now. It's free. So especially yeah. that. <laughs> that sounds really cool. So is that going to become like a regular thing now, like every year or so? And- yeah. So, you know, Sean, the first time I reserved this spot was right before the pandemic and I actually mm-hmm. wanted to host it in 2020. And so this has been kind of, you know, a delay in the making. And so this year is the right time to do it next year. Actually, I've already reserved a spot in Greece. So we'll be doing transformation paradise metamorphosis, Greece. That's nice. next October. And then let's see, we're going to build from there. And it's nice because I do mostly my work virtually. And so it's going to be nice to see people in person and just, there's something about that immersive environment that is just so powerful mm-hmm. and the energy there is so magnetic. And so um, I've gotten so much out of going to my own retreats and events and, you know, joining other people's. And so it's just, it's just a beautiful opportunity to get to know people and connect with like-minded people and then move towards the same journey too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to just kind of start things off with let's go into kind of a early context for everything that makes you who you are today here. So you got a pretty storied background here that kind of stretches into your teenage years. Uh, why don't you go over that with us? Yeah, so this is really a story of, around how life happens for you and not to you. It did take me many years to get to that place where I accepted what mm-hmm. happened to me. Essentially, growing up, I was super involved in sports. I was that tomboy that was always competing against the boys. And I was on varsity sports. I was a competitive swimmer. And that's really how I always viewed myself. That was my identity. I was Sherry the athlete. And when I was 16, I was hit by a car. And I was actually in boarding school at the time. I was going downtown with my roommate to buy Pearl Jam concert tickets. 
And I ended up getting into an accident and specifically struck by a car. And when I woke up, I was in the hospital. So I'd actually blacked out. And back then they didn't diagnose con concussions. It wasn't a thing. Um, but when I woke up, I, I was in a lot of um, excruciating back pain. I went back to basketball practice and then the pain in my leg was just getting worse and worse. And within a span of a couple of weeks, I wasn't able to shower on my own. I wasn't able to walk. I wasn't able to go up hills. And so I ended up going to see a doctor at that point and learning that I had severely damaged my spine as a result of the accident. And right before my 17th birthday, I ended up having my first back surgery. And then I was also told that I was never allowed to play sports again and that I would have to just accept light walking on a treadmill going forward. And if I were to ever become pregnant one day, that would pose a lot of risks on my back. And so I listened to this advice for many years, Sean, until my early 20s. And just by that time, found myself hanging out in a very different crowd. I wasn't hanging out with the athletes anymore. I was partying. I had a very different social circle, doing a lot of habits that my parents told me I should never do. And I kind of just woke up one day super unaligned with myself. I was really grossed out by who I'd become. I just didn't recognize myself anymore. And it was only at that moment that I decided that I would try to sign up at a gym and start to work on my fitness again. And at that point, I was on pain medication daily. My whole world revolved around my back. Anywhere I went, I'd have to ask people, is there a place for me to lie down? Because I'm going to need to lie down. I can only sit for about 20 minutes or so. And so that was sort of the final straw for me. And so I signed up at a local gym and I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I was actually studying chemistry. I was doing my master's degree in chemistry of all things. And I just started copying people around me. So I stuck to that for months, just consistently showing up at the gym, mimicking other people around me until eventually I realized that my back pain was gone and I was able to come off of my pain medication. I bought a treadmill. I started to run. I built myself up to running an hour outdoors. And that's where really my life completely changed. I dropped out of my chemistry degree. I went back to school and started learning everything all over again. I went into exercise science and then athletic therapy, and I became a DO, an osteopath, and then took every course ever <laughs> like I could get my hands on about training and prenatal and postnatal and kettlebell training and CrossFit and all of the things. And so that's really how my career started was just me realizing that there is a way to overcome obstacles. And if I was able to do this against doctor's orders and advice and essentially the actual prognosis of what was going on, then I wanted to help other people achieve the same. And I believe we all have an obstacle, whether that is a struggle with weight or negative eating behaviors or a condition or a disease or even limiting beliefs. We all have something and there's a way over it and out of it if we choose to really own it and to overcome. It has been kind of scary, right? I mean, going against what you knew was direct defiance of everything your doctors had told you for for so many years, right? So you knew you kind of like you were, did you feel like you were kind of like really rolling the dice here in terms of what you could do when you're going back into that gym and then you're lifting all these weights. And like you say, you're mimicking a lot of the people that you see uh, working out around you, which is something that a lot of people do when they're starting out with. It's not always the best method because you're kind mm -hmm. of, you're taking for granted that the person who's right next to you is doing anything right. Um, so, you know, you could have, you could have endangered yourself even more by going back into that gym, right? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's a really great question because whenever we make a decision around anything in our life, we generally make a decision where it moves us towards pleasure and we move away from pain. And so at that moment where I was very desperate, I was in a lot of pain. I was very desperate. And then adding that other layer of this is not who I'm supposed to be like, this is not my life. And I just missed that part of me, the part of me that used to be so familiar. There's, there's this new reassignment of pain and pleasure because yes, I had physical pain going on with my back, but what was more painful was remaining that way. And so when I first started training, there was a lot of connection that I needed to do with my body. And so I just started listening to my body as a cue. And believe me, when I walked into the gym at the time, it's I wasn't able to lift what I could lift today. And it was starting off very light and just, again, really learning how to move my body. And so there was a lot of just connecting with the body, listening to the body and knowing that I wasn't going to push. And you're right. When you first sign up at the gym and you're just copying people, you don't even know what's right. And so that's that's really what led me to want to learn and and want to really get into this field. But um, you're absolutely right. But you know what? We cannot we cannot abolish fear. Fear is something that's always there. We always have fear. But what we need to harness instead to overcome fear, instead of thinking that there's a way to stop the fear, we need to harness bravery. And that is the difference because fear and especially fear of failure or fear that we're not enough, which are the two most common fears and all the fears that we have in our lives dilute down to these two fears will always be present. It will always be in the back of our mind, kind of holding us back or telling us maybe that we're not good enough or that it's not going to work out for us. And so that's where we need to harness bravery. And bravery comes from that point of desperation, being an absolute like this is the line in the sand moment and I need to move forward and I have to do something about it. What did your uh, friends and family think about you going back into the gym? Oh, well, both my parents were doctors. And so imagine, right, all, all the doctor's advice, you're not supposed to and you're not supposed mm -hmm. to. And it's super interesting because, you know, now now the advice given is very different. So this was, we're, you know, we're talking over 20 years ago where when you had an injury or there was something going on in your world, the advice was stop doing everything. Your, your knee hurts, stop running, right? Your, your this hurts, stop doing everything. But now the advice is very different. Now it's about how do I work with my injury instead of ignore it? So yes, constant naysayers. Even when I, when I dropped out of my master's degree in chemistry and I went back to school, oh my goodness, you know, the kickback I got from everyone and what are you doing? And you're so old and you're going back to school. And, you know, and it's funny because I've, I've built a very successful business around health and fitness. And yet my dad will still stay, make comments. When are you going to stop jumping around and, you know, open yourself a clinic and, you know, so it's always there. It's always there. But when you're so aligned with what feels right for you, you're able to just stand your ground and stay centered because the naysaying will never stop. That's always going to be around you. People will always remind you of how you can't do something or how hard it is to do something or how so many people have tried something. Why would this work out for you? And there's just so much competition. You have to, you have to be so aligned with your vision. It's got to be so important to you. Your why has to be so powerful because you have to be able to stand and withstand that. And even expect that that's what you're going to get, especially the more successful you become or the more that you do in life, the more you're going to start to hear that from people around you. Which is ironic. You would think that once you prove yourself one, two, three, maybe a handful of times that people will kind of let let up on you a little bit. But it's kind of funny that, you know, you got this thriving business going in here, this physical culture, um, this physical gym 
thriving and then your dad is still like saying well when are you going to get a proper job it's right. like it's like well come on man it's like you can't catch a break right. Uh, right. but and but that's not the end of the story uh, as you and i both know it's like you didn't just like go back to the gym you start back start feeling better here then something happened later on and right. just kind of like maybe 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 uh cause you to think well damn maybe the doctors were right after all um right why don't you, why don't you go that oh, go over that with us yeah yeah just one, one thing i wanted to say about um the naysaying um something that you just mentioned sean is that everything that people say to us around what we cannot do that is a direct reflection of their internal world. And so that's why right. no matter where you're at and how successful you get, you're still going to hear that, but that's not about me. That's about that person who is actually reflecting what they think about them. Um, but yeah, so things were going so great. My business is expanding and, you know, I've now launched a home training business. That was the first business I launched before I started opening up gyms. And I had boot camps running in parks and I was renting space out of schools, gyms and schools and, and running groups. And then that was when I decided, okay, it's time now to open a gym. And specifically, I opened a CrossFit gym. This was in 2012. And so as I was opening the gym, you know, I'm ordering a lot of super heavy equipment and I've got a budget. So I'm painting things and I'm sanding things. We, we built out all of our plyometric boxes and I'm feeling my back pain and I'm, I'm ignoring it because I got a deadline and running out of budget. And so I just kept powering through. And again, I felt a lot of pain in my back and now again in, in my leg. And I just remember this final day where I was, I was, oh man, I was sanding this plyometric box. And when I was done sanding it, I stood up and literally collapsed on the floor. And at that point, so this is in 2012, at that point, I was rushed to the hospital. This was on a Wednesday. And by Friday, I had an emergency surgery because now this time I was just a couple of millimeter, millimeters away from cauda equina, which is really paralysis. It is compression, central compression on the, the spinal cord where it innervates your bladder and, and all of the genitals and, and everything in the lower body and in that area. And so, yeah, of course, there was this this part of me that's like, here, here we go. We did this again. And maybe I should have listened. And so that voice, you know, starts to come up in your head. And that was a really big recovery. And it was it was a really, really powerful moment in my life. And again, this is the proof that life happens for you. And so here I am just opened my first CrossFit gym. I am the owner of this CrossFit gym. And yet I can barely fold forward 20 degrees. I cannot even demonstrate a squat. There's no way that I can ever teach a class. And so actually for the first couple of years of owning my gym, I didn't teach a class. I didn't want to be on the website. I didn't want anyone to even know that I was the owner. It was so incredibly embarrassing for me. And when I would go to parties and people asked me what I did, I didn't even want to tell them that I owned a gym because I just didn't feel aligned. And so after being in that space for a while and just seeing my own members come through the door. I mean, I had moms that just gave birth that came in. I had, you know, people working office jobs that released a lot of weight and really transformed their bodies in a matter of months. And I'm watching this in front of me and this is the space that I built and I'm seeing people transform. And that's what reinvigorated me with more inspiration to really start to honor my body. And now this time it had to look different. And I had to first start with mobility. I had to first start with yoga and to really be able to just move my body. 
And then eventually that started to transform into bodyweight movements and which, by the way, ended up being all the courses that I've created. I, I actually, through that experience, even launched an app. It's called the Hitdex app using that bodyweight formula. But there was a lot of letting go of the ego that needed to be happened, that needed to happen because I opened a gym, I'm, I'm the owner and I know what I'm capable of. And yet I cannot I cannot lift more than my body weight. I just physically cannot support my, my spine was not able to support my body weight in load. And so my back squat had to look really light. And this was just a massive, massive level of acceptance that just needed to happen. And so what I learned out of that is there are a way less things that I cannot do than what my body's actually able to do. And so when you focus on your limitations, you feel very stuck. And when you focus on all the possibilities and the opportunities, you become creative, you find new avenues that you can explore. And so I had to rebuild myself again. And what's beautiful about this journey and why it's so important, I think, for anyone listening today to to really hear this is because our health and fitness journey is not a straight line. And we will always be faced with obstacles. And no matter where we think we are right now in our fitness, we just never know what might happen. And we may get ill. We may have a serious injury. Some, there may be a massive life event that's going to force us to derail or take a moment, take a break. But we can always come back and we can always rebuild. And we have to expect these, these times in our journey because it's just a part of it. And it's where we get to learn and it's where we get to grow and, and be flexible and, and be creative. And so... I'm sure, Sean, if you look at the last 10, 15, 20 years of your health and fitness journey, you've had moments where things looked a little bit different. You thought you were on top of the world and all of a sudden something happened and you had to rebuild. And so it's a big part of what we go through. And again, it's, you know, it's it's mind over matter. It's if we really, really want something, if we have an immovable heart and an unstoppable mind, we can really create anything and everything that we possibly imagine. So on your website, uh, it's interesting. You offer, of course, fitness. That's the fitness, nutrition. And then you have a third uh, item there, which is therapy. Um, now, I, I'm probably assuming that we're not talking about the actual sit-down therapy sessions that um, most people would acquaint with therapy. But I think you're probably alluding to therapy through physical movement. Is that correct? Yeah, therapy through okay. physical movement, osteopathy, yes. Osteopathy. Okay. So kind of explain to people here, how does that really become therapy? I mean, I think they probably in some intuitive way know how it's therapeutic, but there's an actual science behind that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the mind is so powerful. And I also want to say that we cannot separate the physical body from the emotional body and from the mental body. Right. We're all when 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 we focus on one aspect of our life, we're impacting all of the different areas of our life and we're impacting all of the different parts of us, too. And so I would always see this somebody coming in to work on their fitness. Well, it's incomplete unless you work on the mindset and then you also work on nutrition. And similarly, if you want to just work on nutrition, a big part of that is mindset, because depending on where your mindset is, you're either in fight or flight, sympathetic nervous state while you're moving into the things that you want to create, or you're in parasympathetic where you're more relaxed and more in receivership of what you're about to do. And so the mind is so powerful and it's so powerful that every single thought that we have 
creates actual chemistry in the body. And what I'll always say to make this the most tangible is what happens when we have a sexual thought, right? If we have a sexual thought, then we know that there's certain areas in the body that are going to directly respond to it. Not everywhere in the body. There's very specific areas of the body that respond to that thought. Why is that? Because there's a neurotransmitter that is released in the brain and it creates a neuropeptide that goes to the area of the body that corresponds with that message. And once it hits that area, it lands on a receptor site and then it releases hormones, very specific hormones. So if we can understand and we can grasp that if we have a sexual thought that it directly correlates into a physical reaction in the body, well, what do you think happens when we have a self-deprecating thought? When we talk negatively to ourselves, what happens? Well, we turn on certain areas in the body and turn off other areas of the body. When we have thoughts of optimism or when we go into our workout, believing that we're going to achieve it, when we feel limitless, when we're saying such things to ourselves about winning and about how this is so easy and how our body loves it, well, then our body responds. And if ever you watch any athlete, I love Conor McGregor. I don't care what anyone says, but Conor McGregor is my man. But just listen to him talk. Listen to Muhammad Ali. Listen to them speak. They don't say, well, I hope, I hope to be the champion. I, I, I hope I'm, no, they don't. They say, I am the winner. I am the best. I got this. And imagine that self-talk, how their body receives that. But most of us, we start our health and fitness journey already walking into it with massive baggage, maybe because we've tried so many different diets in the past, or maybe because we've had a lot of challenges in the past. And so we're already super doubtful. We don't have that confidence. We don't have that certainty. And so the talk is going to reflect the condition in the body. And I saw this all the time in my gym. I would have athletes come in. I call all my clients athletes because it's a mindset. It's the exact same thing. If I think I'm an athlete, it's my body's going to respond to it. But I would see so many people coming in and even though they've changed the way that they eat, and even though they're training and hitting the workouts five days a week, they are still walking in with, but I'm so slow, but I didn't PR, but I didn't RX, but I still modified, but I only use the light bar. And all of that talk was actually delaying their progress. But the moment they flipped that switch and then they started to say more empowering things to themselves, everything changed. And that's just how powerful our thoughts are. And so that's a very, very, very big part of our healing journey. It's a very, very big part of our progress. And if you're noticing right now that you're maybe not getting the results that you want, even though you're doing all the things, then I challenge you just to ask yourself, well, how am I speaking to myself? Am I talking to myself as though I'm the person who's struggling, who's having a hard time, who is not going to make it? Or am I speaking to myself as though I've already done it, as though this is already done and I can do it and I'm so certain of my capability, because that will make the most massive difference. Yeah, it's also about understanding that the suffering and the pain part to a certain degree is part of the journey, right? So it's like, you know, you talked about earlier, you talked about the difference between the physical pain that was coming from your back and the mental, emotional pain that was coming from the fact that you weren't living your truth, right? You weren't living the life that you thought was the one you should have been, or at least the one that you knew so well from your past, which was Sherry the athlete. Well, now Sherry the athlete is now Sherry the party girl or something like that, which is, you know, might work in the context that you're in at the moment, but it probably, uh, well, obviously it wasn't who you actually wanted to be. So, mm. you know, I forget who said this, but it's like the, uh, Somebody pretty famous uh, said this, you know, there, I, any pain that has a value assigned to it, I can endure. 
mm. or it can be endured. You know, I can or I can endure any pain that has meaning behind it. You know, so there is the the meaningless life that comes from the pain, or the, the meaningless pain that comes from a life where you are partying and you know having a good time in the moment, and then there's the pain of a good workout. You know, <laughs> um, so. Do, how 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 easily do people really kind of grasp that concept? Because that's a really kind of a that's a really kind of a um, an ethereal concept to really get their heads around. And I I don't think most people really are really are programmed to really receive it when they come in. Yeah, yeah, so good, and, and you're spot on. And you know, I I see this a lot a, a lot also in in my business where I have adults coming in to train and it's the very first time that they've, they've actually pushed themselves in that way. And so there's this response in the body that they're not used to. They're suddenly breathing faster and they're having a hard time breathing because they've, they've never really pushed themselves cardiovascularly in that way, or they're lifting things and it hurts. Right. And so the way that I like to distinguish those two pains is by describing one pain as being a real pain and then another pain as being a fake pain. And so real pain in the body is the pain that's always there. It's the pain that's keeping you up at night. It is that nagging pain that you feel like you want to take medication for. It gets better, but then it really comes back. It's, it's always there. It's, it's just constantly there, whether you're resting or you're active. And then I call the other type of pain, fake pain. Fake pain is the type of pain that stops when you stop the activity. So, you know, you're, you're running and it hurts and it hurts, but then you stop running and you're like, oh, it's gone. That's fake pain. And same thing with lifting weights or doing your workout, right? You, you feel that effort of workout, but you know that the moment that you stop the exercise, the pain's going to go away. And so the ability to distinguish between the two pains is really important. And that's where now the mind can come in. And, and by the way, as we get the mind in and the mind involved in what we're doing, it becomes one of our most powerful tools, yet it's just another muscle that we have to build to. We have to get to that place where we are now using the mind to push ourselves through that fake pain, knowing that the moment that we stop our activity, the fake pain is going to go away. But for anyone starting out, I'll always say, just start off slowly and start off in a way where you're connecting with your body. And there's no need to go from doing absolutely no training to suddenly hitting the gym for two hours and experiencing that type of pain, because that's not fun. So allow your body a chance to adapt and be patient. And slowly start to ramp up, knowing that one of the things that we do have to accept around working out or everything that is really important in our lives, everything that we want to create, it's going to involve hard work. Nothing is for free. And we have to stop this concept that somehow there's this magical diet that's out there that's just a magic pill and I'll have it all or Kind of like what you were saying earlier, Sean, you're watching that person who is ripped and lean and is a machine and wanting to be like them in a matter of a couple months when they've actually been at it for decades. And so there's there's this need for patience that we don't oftentimes have. And yes, this is a messaging we get from our society that things need to be fast. They need to be furious. They need they need to be done quickly, like done yesterday. And it needs to be done in a way where it's super easy as well. So we need fast and easy. But those two don't come together. And so if you can accept that it takes hard work and that it's going to take consistency and dedication and you allow yourself to slowly change the meaning of that pain. So as you start to feel that fake pain of working out, your mind can be, oh, my God, stop. This is terrible. I hate this. I, I, I don't want to continue. You can follow that voice or you can also 
embody that pain, knowing that that pain is giving you results. And then once you do start to see the results, you start to associate that, that fake pain with results. And then it gets easier for you to continue to commit because that's positive feedback. The greatest feedback to continue is results. So wait for the results and then just stay consistent and allow your body a moment to ramp up and feel when it's right to do that. And that's when the growth starts, right? You yeah. know, it's like when, like when I go super hard in my workout, I mean, I don't, this might just be me, but my, I am so like bushwhacked by what I'm doing. I can't even hardly think. I can't think like, oh God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just like, I'm barely even breathing. So <laughs> I'm just like, right kind of going I'm kind of going into kind of going into kind of a I don't know a very um a very primal mode so I'm just where I'm just kind of like crawling to survive at that point I can't let anything cerebral get through it just there's no bandwidth for it right, right. <laughs> um so all right so so you own a CrossFit gym is that correct in Montreal is that right I, I did up until the pandemic and now okay. I'm completely online yeah you're completely online. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I want to ask you something about the CrossFit gym because it's something CrossFit's interesting to me. It really is. And, you know, I like a lot of things about it, but there's some things about it I don't really care for. Um, I just kind of want to know what, what about it appeals to you? I can see why it appeals to people, but what about it appeals to you? Well, I'm, I think I'm more curious as to what doesn't appeal to you, Sean, but, um, <laughs> well, I, um, I think what I think, okay. So in full, in perfect honesty, I think what doesn't appeal to me is I, I see a lot of things about it. that it doesn't really look particularly safe, which, you know, mm -hmm. there's safe as in like taking a risk. And mm -hmm. I do that all the time, but then there's kind of like sloppy, safe, uh, mm -hmm. unsafe kind of things, things that are really going to open you up for a really bad injury. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think the general concept of CrossFit is admirable, but I think the execution of it is a bit not so admirable. I agree. That's just kind of, that's kind of what my, my interpretation of CrossFit is, but you know, I've yeah. talked to people who have done CrossFit and absolutely love it and they have no problems with it and they love their coaches. They love the environment and that's okay. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Great. Um, but you know, as much as I love the whole idea behind it, I just can't see myself walking in there and signing up for it. I just don't. So right. what drew you yeah. to CrossFit? Yeah, yeah, so good. So um, the first CrossFit workout I did was Fran. And so if you know what Fran mm -hmm. is, Fran mm -hmm. is just three rounds. It's 21 okay. thrusters at 65 or 95 pounds, which is a front squat with a push press. That's a thruster. And then pull-ups. And so before that, my gym routine used to be about two hours long. I would do one hour of cardio and then I would do weights. And when I did weights, I would be very specific around body parts and muscle groups. And so I would do, you know, chest and tricep one day, and then I would have back and shoulders another day and then legs on another day. And so I was dividing up my program like that and trying my best to hit at least every single muscle group twice a week. And so when I first joined CrossFit, the concept of this, what, seven minute workout or what you're supposed to finish in under 10 minutes just didn't make sense to me. Like, how can I get a wicked workout in 10 minutes and really work everything? And so that was my first workout, Fran. I was very, very humbling. 
because I remember I just finished my first round of 21 pull-ups after I did my 21 thrusters and I was already beat. I was so out of breath. I was so finished. Every single part of my body, every single muscle of my body, body was on fire and I had also stimulated cardio. So this mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, I was sold. I, I, I already knew I was sold. And so what, what drew me to CrossFit and what CrossFit really means is it's cross fitness. That means you're not going to be excellent at one thing. You're going to be really good at everything. And then there's a more balanced approach around all of the different aspects of fitness, including endurance and stamina and power and agility and all these things. You actually develop them all. And so you're, again, you're not an expert in one area. You're, you're pretty good at everything. You're a great runner and you're a great triathlete because if you look at CrossFit events, we swim, we run, we bike, we trail run, we, we do everything. And CrossFit is not actually a new thing. CrossFit brought mm-hmm. all sports and put them together in a nice bucket and then delivered them with this idea that there's constant variability, meaning something's always changing and your body should be ready for different demands. Either that means very heavy weight, short duration, or maybe more endurance, so lighter weight with longer duration. And so you prepare yourself with all of these different elements of fitness. Now, that is the general concept of CrossFit. So I love the methodology because it creates balance, it creates variety, it keeps it from getting boring. And the physique as a side effect of doing that, in my opinion, is incredibly balanced compared to bodybuilding, which is what I used to do in the past. In bodybuilding, I mean, you it's a formula. You really have to make sure that you're balancing your shoulder strength in the, you know, with your with your lower body strength. And I would always see this. I'd always see people really focusing on pecs and biceps, but then you'd see like these, you know, stick thin legs because they, you know, they're wearing shorts or baggy pants. And so that's not the focus. But with CrossFit, you're always working full body no matter what. You're hitting everything and not just that, but you're hitting it functionally and recruiting mm-hmm. every single muscle in a very natural way, in a very symbiotic way, in the way that it should all be working together. Now, not every single CrossFit gym is the same. And all this to say is not every single trainer is the same and not every single osteopath is the same or therapist is the same. And so you have to do your homework. And before, and people used to always ask me this whenever they would ask about my gym, well, why should I sign up at your gym? And I said, you shouldn't have to sign up at my gym, but you should come try it and then try other gyms too. And then you feel where it's right for you. Because I came from a therapy background, So I'm a certified athletic therapist, I'm an osteopath, and I've had major back injury. My programming was always very specific to avoid injury. Because when you walk into a person's gym, you're following their programming. So who is that person who's creating the program? Is it a 21-year-old dude in super wicked shape who's never had issues? And is that gym competitive? And that's what they're focused on is how heavy you lift and pushing you so hard so you vomit. That is a vibe. That is a culture that attracts certain people. There's a match for that. But if you're really focused on getting stronger, getting fitter and honoring your body and not getting injured, then you need to find the right gym. And now that's that you have to do your due diligence to find. So that means you ask questions. You see how much attention you get. If you're in a class with 30 people and one coach, I would recommend you probably go to a class where there's maybe 10 or 12 people and one coach. And who is this coach? What is their background? Do they have a day job of an accountant and then, you know, they're teaching CrossFit on the weekend? Again, that is that is up to you to determine. So if you find a coach who's got a full time job, who also has some sort of experience in injury rehabilitation and who designs their programs in a way where you see that there's balance 
And what I mean by that is, for example, I wouldn't on my programming, I would never really put something like deadlifts and then toes to bar. So deadlifts, you are jacking up your back and then you're going to go on, hang on the rig and then do a bunch of uh, toes to bars where you bring your toes, touch the bar, and then you're doing massive lower uh, lumbar flexion. So that to me is a very big red flag. So again, if you find the right coach who does the programming in a way that looks like they really care about more um, balance in the training and you're getting a lot of attention and there's a lot of modification and you don't feel like you need to walk in there and have to prove yourself to other people, but you can stay in your lane and really focus on you, then you're in the right environment. And I'm going to say this with everything and not just with CrossFit. I'll say that with every single thing. If you go to, to a martial arts gym, what is the vibe? Are they com competition geared or are they fitness geared? And what about the balance? How much attention are you going to get from the coach? Before you sign up anywhere, first of all, do your homework. Go try out different classes in different places and get the vibe and then see if that's the right fit for you. Don't sign up somewhere just because it's cheaper and it's closer to your house. Sign up somewhere where you're going to really get the attention that you deserve. It's a great answer. I like that answer. So the uh Wait, have I have I changed your mind at all? I'm just curious. Well, you know, well, you know, I in, in perfect honesty, I wasn't like adamantly against uh CrossFit. It's just that, you know, like you said, I saw a lot of things that are probably the negatives of the CrossFit culture. Mm, um yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh I will say also too, like the competitions look completely badass i like those and those people that engage in those crossfit competitions they are savages right. um, in every way uh but yeah i guess really what i was talking mainly uh, mainly for myself but also too because i'm also parroting some of the things i've heard from right. other people have said to me about cross uh, crossfit mm -hmm. so you know i think there is probably a lot of the stigma attached to crossfit that is somewhat justified and other parts not so justified. So yeah, you're right. You do have to do your own due diligence. You have to do your own research and you have to find what place works for you and what coach works for you. And honestly, if there's probably a lot of out there that don't really work for you, so you gotta keep hunting around. Yeah. There's no one size fits all sort of um, program out there. Yeah. But yeah, you did, you did, you did well. And at least in defending your own CrossFit gym. So, <laughs> so, uh, well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, um, even as a trainer and I, and I would have to say, and maybe you agree with this too, Sean, like it is so easy to become a trainer. And especially these days, there's like all these online certifications. I even see them for right. yoga. You can become a yoga teacher in, you know, five days and, you know, you just have to question that. And then it's just, it's, mm. it's up to us to really ask and not just to accept things as it is, but definitely when I'm in the CrossFit world, I saw that all the time. And I just, I 100% did not want to be that. And I didn't want to be the person responsible for anyone's injuries. I really just wanted to help people get fitter and, and really embody the, the life that they deserved. Yeah, the uh, the certifications. Um, honestly, I think most people wouldn't even bother with them if they weren't required in most mm -hmm. gyms or um, anywhere else you look, or just in general. Or if if it wasn't something that the general public would just kind of expect you to mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you're right. Most of them are very easily attained. You can get them in a, maybe a week, and mm -hmm. 
you know, you don't really have to know too much. And the other thing is too, is like, there's no governing body doing any oversight. Um, it's not, it's not like with like a nursing degree or something like that, or having a law degree, there's no oversight committee. It's that's checking to see if you, with any reinforcement arm, it's checking to see if you are honoring the certification that you have. And then you are actually, um, being competent and being safe. And then you're not putting anyone at risk. Now things do happen, which is why we have insurance and we have liability clauses and things like that, because, you know, you can put all the precautions in the world on your own program, but if people choose to step outside of it, there's nothing you can do about that. And there's a lot of people out there who won't hesitate to get litigious with you. Right. um, Because you, because they defy your ordinance or Mm -hmm. your parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they, you know, they will blame you for their own injuries. Right. Um, but yeah, the, I think you're absolutely right. And social media, I've said this again and again and again, and again, I guess I'll keep saying it. Social media has kept perpetuating this problem because right. like you said, you know, you know, so you go on social media and you see someone who trains someone and who says they train somebody and they've got upwards of 500,000 followers, your brain's naturally going to think, well, they must know what they're talking about. Right. You know, they got all these people listening to them or at least following them. You know, they must be on the spot and they look great. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's yeah, it's um, I've it's a it's it's a real problem. It really does. And it, it, it really kind of lacks any kind of legitimacy, I think, in a lot of quarters, which is why I think the actual world of like medicine and therapy and stuff like that is really sort of hesitant to really kind of align themselves it's getting better it's some have like you know there is a growing um alliance between like personal trainers and like therapists and things like Mm -hmm. that it's spreading or it's uh it's becoming more common but there's still this there's still this hesitancy because they just you know they don't know how they really feel about that Right. Right. Yeah. And and it's through conversations like this and you just sharing what you just shared that creates awareness. And that's what we have to keep doing right as a united community of fitness professionals and really, really with so much care around what the general population is receiving, especially around information. I mean, at this point, you can go on YouTube, you can go on Google, you can download any meal plan and any workout. And, you know, after a year of doing that and getting success, you then start helping other people do that. I mean, I, I see this all the time and, and I think, I think we are getting smarter and more aware just as a culture in general and as a society in general, and really, really becoming more aware that this is going on and that not all the information that we receive is accurate information. And so again, it's, it's just holding your ground and just constantly doing your research and not saying yes to the first person that shows you their before and after photos, but really getting into the depths of what their experience is, mm-hmm. what their background is, what their training is, um, and just asking them those questions. And especially if it's around injury, I'll always say, if your trainer avoids or completely um, just kind of ignores one area of your body because you said you have issues there, I'm going to challenge that. And I'm going to say that your coach or your trainer should know how to work with you and work with that part of your body to help improve it and to help integrate it instead of completely ignore that area. And so that's already something that maybe you can walk away with today, just just helping you to find that right person for you. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, so 
I wanted to kind of go into like, since we're going into the finer points of what fitness is and actually, um, we're actually, um, hit trying to let it come across that there is a science and then because of there's a science, there is a, a certain level of expectation. You should come from fitness and nutrition. So you have this program here is a make peace with food program designed primarily for women, but I think we'd probably work for men too, because mm -hmm. yeah, we have, we have, I, I know there's guys out there that struggle with food. I struggle with food. Um, but, <laughs> um, but when you say, when you're going into nutrition here, you, you're really, really getting into the weeds of science here because um, you really do have to know the ins and outs of everything because you need to know like not just calories, but you got to know how bodies respond to calories. And, you know, you got to understand a lot, maybe just over and above just the physical stuff. Mm. Um, so let's go about, let's talk about your uh, make peace with food program here. So mm -hmm. you saw a lot of people or a lot of women struggling with the idea of food. What did that look mm -hmm. like exactly? Yeah. So good. And, and you're absolutely right. This, this program is also um, applicable for men. I, I actually launched it recently in an online format this year, um, starting with women. However, there, it will, there will be offer for men as well. And also for trainers to learn about this part, because this is not just about nutrition. This is not just about giving your clients nutritional advice or helping them find their macros or even actually moving towards positive habits and lifestyle habits that they can sustain but it's actually addressing any self-sabotaging behavior. So we generally all have a goal. We have a desire. We have a, a strong why. And we have information as to how to get started. So I think right now it comes as no surprise to almost everyone that eating too much processed foods does not serve us, right? So we know this. We know this. We know also that smoking cigarettes can cause cancer in the long term. So we know these things. But why do we still keep doing it? Why do we not move towards that action and actually overcome that habit? And so make peace with food bridges that gap between the desire and the action. And so many of us who have been locked in diet mindset for so many years, we've been struggling with weight for so many years, we've actually developed a lot of negative associations with food, with dieting, with weight, with body image. And so before we can actually start making changes around our health and around our lifestyle, we actually have to address this part because we see this all the time, people making changes around their nutrition and then resulting in binge eating or calling it a cheat day. And when it's a cheat day, they don't just have one portion of something. They have many portions and with the thought that, okay, Monday, my diet is going to start. So make peace with food really helps people relax around food and get more comfortable with their behavior and eventually overcome their behavior where they're no longer binge eating, emotional eating, stress eating, any form of out of control eating or compulsive overeating, and then other self-sabotaging behavior. Because when we turn towards food as a coping mechanism, oftentimes we have other problem behaviors. It could be alcohol, it could be cannabis, it could be porn, it could be a whole bunch of other things. It's all the same patterns that are running in the mind where the mind is actually setting up this massive dopamine reward for this thing that it's restricted. And so before we start moving into addressing positive lifestyle habits, we want to actually overcome this negative eating behavior. Because if we're putting on weight as a result of binge eating, 
by trying to control the food doesn't solve the problem. We just solve the side effect of the problem. And so what we end up doing is really focusing on the problem behavior. And the way that we do that is by shifting the nervous system. So we are generally in fight or flight or sympathetic drive, which we refer to as protection mode in our program. And when we are in this nervous nervous system state, the body sees all the lifestyle changes as a massive threat. So if I start to go into a calorie deficit or start to go or try intermittent fasting, my body starts to see that as a threat. And then it rebels against me and it rebels in a form of binge eating or out of control behavior around food. And so instead, when we actually start those habits while we are in parasympathetic, when our body's relaxed and it's doing this in a more loving way, then it becomes easier to adopt these habits and more importantly, to keep them sustainable so that that is a long term effect. And so what we talk about all the time is how instead of this idea that we need to release weight in order to be healthy, what we do in our program is the inverse. We become healthy first. And when we're healthy, the body naturally and effortlessly starts to release unwanted weight. What do you think about intermittent fasting? I am a big advocate of intermittent fasting and I practice intermittent fasting. And it's funny because I've been practicing it for so long before it was labeled as a thing, but intermittent mm. fasting is actually a health protocol with a mm. side effect of releasing weight. So there's way more benefits than just weight loss from doing intermittent fasting. And that is the most important thing to grasp. And I, what I notice when people do intermittent fasting to release weight, it, it's very temporary. And again, their body's going into it in protection mode where their body starts to resist against them. But when you actually focus on the health benefits of intermittent fasting and allow the side effect of weight loss and body transformation to happen, it is a powerful tool for clarity of mind, for healing gut health, for balancing hormones and enzymes, and also for transforming your physical body. In fact, growth hormone upregulates when you're doing mm -hmm. intermittent fasting, right. lifting weight you actually put on more muscle through fasting of all things. And so it just it just kind of reframes how food does not give us energy, but that actually energy comes from within. Yeah, it's such an interesting concept. You know, I've, I've done intermittent fasting myself. I've done it, I've done, I think, several different uh, versions of it. Probably the most common one is what most people do, which is like the eight hours of eating and 16 hours of mm -hmm. uh, fasting I, but i've even done like the one meal a day thing that right. gets rough at times <laughs> it mm. really does which one do, right. which one do you prefer or is there a different one um i mean it, it depends on what i'm trying to accomplish so i think at the moment i'm probably doing one meal a day um and it's not always like that i don't have any hard rules around what it should look like it's just kind of naturally mm -hmm. fell into into my life so it used to be lunchtime and then it then it was 2 p.m and and now I'm at the stage where I'm able to train. I mean, I can even do two workouts a day. I can do an hour run in the morning. I can do another workout in the afternoon. And then I have my meal in, in the evening. And one meal a day doesn't look like a normal like meal. It's it's almost like a five-course meal, let's call it. So you're, you have the soup and then you have the starters and you get the main course and all that. And so it's very fulfilling. That works for me right now. Um, but then I fall into the habits of whatever my environment is. Next week, I'll be in Costa Rica. I'm going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with, with the people coming to join my retreat. And sometimes I feel called to do 72 hours of fasting because I just feel like I need to turn everything off, maybe focus more on spirituality and just focus more on healing of the body. I do that a couple times a year. So it always varies, um, but it's it's really positive and it's really great for the body to turn off 
the the digestive system for a moment because you actually kick in this process called autophagy where mm -hmm. your body has the opportunity to heal itself and so the minimum hour or window for intermittent fasting is 12 hours you get benefits from 12 hours but then i'll say you know it's very different for every person it's very individualized so just notice what feels right for you if one meal a day doesn't feel right because you're super active and it doesn't work for you then find that window that does so don't be dogmatic about it at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. He who is sense. most flexible wins. <laughs> What's that? I was saying he who is most flexible wins. Right, right. Yeah. Adaptation. You know, that's the uh, that's the secret of behind human survival here is the ability to adapt. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, so you, all right. So I guess I, I, I normally ask people when we start wrapping things up, Normally, ask people is like, well, what's on your agenda next? Well, we already know you're going to Costa Rica for a week. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're but you're online. You're online. Your fitness is online entirely. You don't have a physical location here. So, I mean, I guess you might you might you must have plans for something with with that. In terms of a physical location, you mean? Uh, oh, in terms oh, in terms of like expanding the uh, the online presence doing other things or, or maybe reopening another gym, who knows? Well, my, my vision is to have several destination retreats every year. So right okay. now it's Costa Rica, like I was saying next year it's Greece, but eventually I want to do Bali and Portugal and Croatia and just have, you know, that sort of immersive in-person experience. But I do enjoy the flexibility of online and, and more importantly, the outreach, just being able to actually impact way more people, way more than the four walls of my gym. Um, so it's hard to see myself coming back to brick and mortar right now. It's it's really freeing and so so enlightening and impactful right now. Just being able to reach reach so many people so far away. Did you close down your physical location um, out of necessity, or is it just like you you know what this whole thing is just kind of like this is on its way out anyway? Virtual is the way to go, or was it a combination of the two? Um, a kind of a combination of the two and it was super interesting in 2018 I was already I was already starting a podcast I was already starting to record content for this program called advanced transformation so I was already creating stuff with this vision of just going online and then when the pandemic happened I almost thought that I had manifested it all because now was the opportunity <laughs> to, yeah I was like oh my god I did this I did all this you know and then I started launching my stuff and I merged with another gym during the pandemic and we moved to another place. And at one point I, I just knew I was done. And uh, you know, that's when I decided to step back. She continued and, and she kept the gym and I still go in there and I participate. I'm still part owner in there. However, it's, it's definitely not something I see myself coming back to. It's, it's hard to go from, from, you know, freedom and, and impact to suddenly kind of coming back, you know, down to that place again. And, and that's just the growth. Sure. It's just, um, yeah, it's just evolution. Absolutely. Well, Sherry, um, like I told you before we started recording here, we have a closing tradition on the podcast where the guest gives a final word to the audience. So if you could leave people with one thing to remember and only one thing to remember, what would it be? Consistency first before intensity. And most of us have this desire to hit it so hard. And especially with New Year's around the corner, we feel like we want to mm -hmm. go from zero to 100 overnight. 
but I'll always tell you that success comes from consistency and not intensity. And so make sure that you establish this first, get the mental muscle working first, strengthen that and show up for yourself. And once you've mastered that, then add the intensity. Well said. Couldn't say it better myself. Sherry Shaban, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Sean. This was a pleasure. Yeah, this is a real joy. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the insights. I might sign up for a CrossFit gym. Who knows? Yeah, I'll do my homework here. We got we got tons of like hit gym workouts right. or hit gyms here in this town here. So I could have my pick at any of them. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your insights and your stories. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Thank you to everyone who ever will listen. This is Fitness Reborn. Again, my name is Sean. And until next time, as always, train hard. Peace out. Be well. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you walk away with something useful from the episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to my publishing platform called Samo Lives. It's the same platform I upload all my episodes and I write my articles and my blogs and wherever else comes to mind I think is worth sharing with the world. The link is featured at the bottom of the show notes of every episode. By subscribing, you are becoming one of the very first that gets alerted whenever a new episode or a new uh, blog or a new contribution piece becomes available on the platform. You can also follow the show Fitness Reborn with Sean by clicking the follow button on either Apple or Spotify or whatever your preferred streaming platform happens to be. I want you to know that your listenership, your viewership, and your continued support and your well-being mean the very world to me. Thank you so much. I hope to see you next time. Take care.